Hello and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris. And I'm Creston. And I'm Seb. Yeah, and today we are going to talk about how to monetize your content. Uh, we This is kind of part two. Uh, we did a part one where we kind of talked about general things, but we're going to talk about some specific ways to monetize your content in this episode. Uh, but before we get into all the meaty goodness of that, week in review! Creston, how was your week? Pretty good. I released my uh, SSO changes for my app, and so far, smooth sailing. <laughs> nice. So, this is a little bit different than you hear the way people do their apps, is that normally they add it as another login option to say, hey, you want to log in via Google? Hey, you want to log in via, you know, it's an, it's an additional option. You can still log in with username and password. Mm -hmm. This particular requirement of this client was that they don't want another user password to manage. And for security reasons, they want to go through their own identity provider. Mm. So it's basically a case where I have to actually have to force it. And I do things like if someone tries to log in with a, the username's usually an email address, I actually look at what the domain is and then redirect them to the SSO domain based upon that. So I don't even do password checking. So that's a way to force everyone to go through SSO. So, yeah. so that was a little bit a unique requirement, I guess I would say. I mean, I'm sure other enterprise solutions have that as well, but so that happened successfully. So that was great. And the other thing, doing a lot of consulting work, some Rails consulting work, adding in some new features that are needed by a client. So I got a lot, I got a lot more done than I thought I did that I thought <laughs> I would within this past week. So that's always yeah. good. What about you? Uh, so my week hasn't been as successful. Um, <laughs> I started, <laughs> I started, uh, we're upgrading our main platform product to Rails 6.1 from 6.0, which I didn't think was going to be a big deal. Turns out that uh, database cleaner is being a real pain in the butt for some reason. Um, so I was having all kinds of trouble just getting it to run. I updated to the latest one, but I was having all kinds of syntax errors and stuff. And so I actually had to put something out on Twitter and I, you know, it was driving me nuts for hours, and fortunately Marco was online and solved my problem because he's a freaking hero. But um, hey, so, Marco, right? Exactly. Um, but it's uh, I'm still having some issues where some of the tests are failing because of it's talking about nested transaction isolation issues, but it's only on some of the tests, and so I. I've still got to dig into that and figure out what it is that's... So I haven't even actually upgraded to 6.1 yet. I've just found out that I had to upgrade Database Cleaner and a couple other gems. But when I upgraded Database Cleaner, it, things just went ba-boom. So I'm, I'm still Did struggling you, Are there. you using the most recent version of Database Cleaner? I am. We were on 1.85... And I upgraded to 2.0. Um, so it is... I, I first stepped to 1.9 and then went to 2.0. Um, and that's well, where things kind of broke down. What I usually... Because I've had to bring some clients from a 5 series <laughs> up 
until six and then six one. What I usually do is see when five two was released, for example, or let's see when six oh was released, for example. I would look three to six months after that and say, okay, what is the gem what are the gem versions at this point in time? And that's the gem version I would use right. to go to six is when so as a that helped me avoid some issues because if I tried to use the most recent version, things would blow up. <laughs> well, that's yeah, and that's why I went to one nine nine first. Yeah, um, but that that still had problems. So, um, when I went to six point one, one nine nine was working fine under six zero, but then when I tried to upgrade to six one, it blew up again. So I had to go further. Um, but so. I'm sure I'll figure it out, but it's just one of those things yeah, where, yeah, yeah. you know, this five minute problem turns into a one week thing. So, uh, how about you, Seb? How was your week? Well, my week is crazy. I mean, um, recently I got promotion to AM, uh, EM role uh, in Ascenda, and this is only kind of a promotion because in reality, this is a complete role change. So I feeling like I need to learn everything and I'm not delivering not anything. So <laughs> it's pretty much crazy from all directions. And now it's the uh, quarter and half of the year is coming and the quarter is ending. So we want, want to wrap up the projects, uh, prepare the planning for the next quarter. And as you can imagine, it's like a lot of different stuff. So yeah, uh -huh. pretty, pretty crazy here. That's when you nuts. say EM, what does that mean? Uh, engineer manager. Okay. Gotcha. So fun, fun. Yeah. The management stuff, it sounds glorious. And then you get a management position and you're like, can I just, can I just be an engineer again? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but for Hanami master that I'm driving, uh, I'm, I want to uh, do this project with multiple people. I want to delegate the staff and engage community and uh, kind of lead people to produce more content and like, like split the work into uh, different steps and automate workflows. Um, and so in long term, I definitely need the management skills, the leadership skills. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to actually do it. So yeah, uh, yeah, tricky, challenging, <laughs> but I need it. So whatever. <laughs> cool. Well, congratulations, man. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so let's dig into the fun meat of this project. I'm actually um, kind of kind of excited to talk about this stuff. Um, so you put together a, a good list of uh, 10 ideas for monetizing your content, and these are specific ideas. Um, so let's kind of go through these and, and talk them out and, and see how these things apply to, um, like, development content that people put out. So the first one is guest articles. So tell me what that means. How do you define a guest article? Yeah, so, so I came up with this list and to and sorted it out with some kind of um, um, levels of achievements. And last time that we talked about monetization, we digged through the why and the different ways, like reasons to actually monetize the content. And uh, when you start, 
with content creation of any sort, like you have blog, you have video channel, you have whatever, um, it actually can be tricky to monetize mm-hmm. anything because you have no audience. Um, so the first thing you can think about, okay, I will start YouTube channel and I will earn money, but this is unrealistic. Um, at the, at the beginning, you cannot even register as a paid, uh, YouTube, uh, user. Yep. So, and, and the similar things apply to Google AdSense. So if you want to spend months, um, on AdSense, learning Google AdSense, and then after like another month, you earn a dollar or, or even no, <laughs> that is kind of disappointing. So I think that on the early stages, when you start, uh, and when I start, um, the content creation and one needs some, any, any income, like meaningful income, um, at the very beginning guest articles is a really useful and nice opportunity. So by guest articles, I mean, um, the, the person who wants to drive on blog can also apply to other companies who has way bigger traffic, way bigger base of listeners or readers and perform guest blogging. And by guest blogging, I mean paid articles. So they are companies like AppSignal, for example, um, ThoughtBot. Um, wow. Yeah. There are a lot of, um, that actually pay for developers. I know Honey Badger used to do that as well. Exactly. This is also what I thought about it, but um, just, you know, slipped out of my head during (laughs) the interview. (laughs) But yes, Honey Badger is also a very known option. And uh, by writing a single article per day, uh, a person can just make up for a living, really. Um, So if you have a contract uh, for multiple providers, m- multiple blog hosts, like, like Honey Badger, for example, uh, then you really can have a stable uh, income at the very beginnings of your blog. And the cool thing is that you can um, also build up your brand, your uh, recognition, and you can drive the traffic uh, directly or indirect- indirectly uh, to back to your blog because you are the author. So there are like multiple ways, multiple levels of benefits that you get at the early stages by guest blogging. So the so you get to to make a do a little monetization early on before you've built up an audience. But more importantly, you can use that to build up your audience. So and that's you know if you're going to do content creation, you have to have an audience, or there's nobody to pay you for the content creation. So. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's a good start is, um, you know, using that to build your audience um, and, and get known. Uh, yeah, if uh, if we talk about getting known, um, we can also um, decide on non-paid content. So if there are opportunities to uh, give an article or show up in a podcast or or the interview, uh, without getting paid, it's still a lot of uh, benefits because you're getting um, access to other people's audiences. Yeah. Uh, so 
you are getting recognitions, you get more traffic, uh, more people are recognizing your brand, and there are more opportunities that if, if you have other ways of uh, getting income that people will, will actually use it. Uh, so, so your income will increase rapidly. Right. So um, building an audience is, is kind of an important first step. And as you're doing that, so now we can talk about some ways that you can tap that audience to help you uh, make a living on your content, right? So one of the things, the next one is donations. People are often very willing to support you through donations if you're providing good, um, uh, good value to them. Well, I'm not sure how how do you think about it, but for me, uh, giving value, <clears throat> giving value is actually the crucial and the very first thing. Like without getting value, nothing can be done. Really, uh, you can be a scammer. <laughs> right. You can uh, sell some shit, really. But I hope there is no like a blacklist of words nah. on YouTube. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, but this is completely not something I would ever uh, wish to do. So uh, definitely, um, if anyone would be interested in content creation, I, I would uh, suggest to start from giving value to people. Yeah. And the donation, uh, the Norwegian donation, uh, you know, some people do like to get donations, uh, other people don't. And there are different approaches uh, to getting paid for um yeah for free content um but i enabled donation uh, donations as as early as possible and when i started the blog uh, only after the second article i published there was a single video at that time um and the second article was published because i recorded videos after publishing the article because i had no manpower to actually do it uh, all at once um, and after the second article was published, um, then I got the first GitHub sponsor, which was a huge, huge um, uh, boost to the motivation. Um, and I actually got the material confirmation, like real confirmation that someone sees a value in what I'm doing, even right. though I'm still just starting. Yeah. So yeah, that, that helped me a lot. Yeah, it helps keep your your kind of spirit up and your willingness and your energy to go forward with that um, with that project too. Um, so you mentioned the GitHub sponsorship. So um, the the next topic is sponsorships. So searching out a company to kind of sponsor your work um, and fund uh, it. Yeah, but 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 I will get back to the donations uh, uh, for a while a little yet. Because okay. uh, there are multiple ways to uh, get sponsorships, and that depends on the type of content that you do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I choose GitHub sponsorships because my content is very, very technical and very developer-oriented, yep. and most developers has um, already the account on GitHub, right? Right. But I also have an account for uh, Buy Me a Coffee, for example, mm -hmm. which is more a community for uh, content creators itself, themselves, like mm -hmm. uh, writers, podcasters, um, some novel writers. Um, so there are all, there's different community and sometimes they want to support me 
even though my content is very technical, they just want to support other creators. And that is, that is extremely cool. Um, yep. so I, I like this idea of having multiple ways of getting income. And if you combine all the points that we will discuss together, the results can be, can be really astonishing. Uh, so right. if you have the donations enabled and you will, um, gain more audience by guest blogging, there is way bigger chance that people uh, will donate you more or more people will donate you. Right. Yeah. Well, and as we go through these, I think people should, should keep in mind that it's not like you can just pick one of these and only do that. Uh, you should, you know, try, try a lot of these, uh, not necessarily all of them because all of them may not be suitable to what you're doing, but certainly more than one probably will be like guest articles, donations, and sponsorships. That's probably applicable to almost any content creator. Um, those things. Um, so how, how do you go about finding, you know, so there's GitHub sponsorships, which is one way to do sponsorship stuff, but there's also sponsorships where you go out and kind of chase a company and say, Hey, will you sponsor my work as a company and have a direct company relationship? How do you go about those kind of things? Well, um, if you produce a work, if you do a work, uh, if you publish content that is in the direct interest of any company, um, it makes a lot of sense to, um, to get them paid for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And the standard normal way would be prepare a content like learning tutorial, a course or whatever, reach out to the company and sell it to them. Um, you are selling a black box. You can uh, produce like some marketing video or or the landing page, right? But mm -hmm. you still need to go to the company and sell it. And the difference is um, with this what you what you said, what you say about uh, just reaching out for sponsorships, is that you already produced the content. So in you need to figure out the way to convince the company to invest in your work, in your initiative. So you need to convince them that keeping you in the market and keeping your project growing is in the direct ben ben um, interest of this company. Mm -hmm. So, and this is what I did uh, with Hanami Mastery. And this is also what I'm doing constantly, really. Uh, like I periodically search, periodically search for Ruby companies and that, um, where I see a chance that could sponsor, uh, support my further work, my future episodes. And I reach out to them with the offer of, uh, collaborations of any sort. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I think that for me, I know, and for a lot of introverts, it's kind of hard to to kind of break down that barrier of reaching out to a company and, and going, Hey, do you want to sponsor this thing I'm doing? I mean, that's a most, a lot of people in the tech industry have a problem doing that kind of stuff. I think was that, was that tough for you? Uh, it, yeah, definitely. It was tough. It is tough and it will be tough. Uh, I don't think that selling is natural 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just a skill. But there is there was a breaking change in my mindset when I yeah, I learned that. I don't know where, but I learned that during the course or during the um, article or book that I uh, I read uh, that uh, what is the worst thing that will happen uh, if I will not reach out to the company? I will not get sponsorships. Mm -hmm. This is the outcome. And if I will reach out to the company, there are multiple things that can happen. I will one, I will not get a response, which which is really nothing. And then I can get the email or the response back with the rejection. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I still don't get the sponsorship, right? Yeah. Uh, but the third output is that I actually will get the sponsorship and that can make a great difference. So when, when I just wrote that down and that actually helped me to beat this barrier. Mm -hmm. um, and the important thing for me was also to understand that if I get no response, it doesn't mean that I'm doing meaningless work because such emails often just go to the spam <laughs> right? or the customer support just marks them as a spam and they never hit anyone who has any kind of like a decision power in the company. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's important to just uh, understand that there are different channels to reaching out to the companies for sponsorships, uh, different ways of doing so. And um, just not getting a response usually just mean that no one responded to me. It doesn't yeah. mean rejection. Right. Um, and if I get rejection, it's rejection of the sponsorship, not rejection of me as a person or rejection of my work as a valued content. Yeah. We just don't have the financial resources right now to do that. That's not in our budget. So, you know, it's not that you're doing a bad job. It's just not, not our, in our budget which is perfectly fine. Yes, I, I, I just, I even got one uh, once a response uh, exactly like this. Like, this is not in a, our budget. Uh, we have, uh, we love your work, but, uh, you know, sorry, man. Um, so I said back, I wrote back, uh, if I can reach out again with the same question, like uh, near the end of the year, and they said, yeah, sure just just recall yourself and we'll be happy to support so um yeah yeah totally um reaching out to companies very often results no okay that is uh, a bullshit it's not often <laughs> I, I i i'm i'm reaching out to a lot of companies and i don't get uh, a lot of responses and not a lot of positive responses but i do have experience that i reach out to the company and they did not support anyone before only because nobody thought about it. And right. when I reached out to the company, they said like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? We actually use your software. We actually need your content. Uh, it would be nice if you will not disappear in a month from the market. So yeah, I was, we will sponsor it for sure. And yeah, that, 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 that's really cool insight that I found. Yeah. Uh, so I want to take just a, a quick second and say hi to chat chat how you doing i hope everyone's doing well hi sire welcome to the show um 
Hope you guys are enjoying it. Feel free to ask any questions about monetizing your content as you come up or just chat and say hi. Uh, we're here and we love to hear from you. Um, I'm so, assuming that maybe the business development office of a company may be the best area to target uh, if you're thinking probably... about who to talk to. The business development? What do you mean by that? I mean, that's what they call it. They they basically look for relation, how they can develop synergies and look for relationships with other companies to help help them earn more money. Mm-hmm. So it's, we're looking for partnerships and things of that nature. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're looking for who to talk to at a company, looking up their business, then it may be under different names, but business development is usually a area of the company that handles sponsorships and partnerships and things like that. Yep. So the next one we've got on the list is one that I see as a very common way in the tech industry for tech content providers to monetize their content, and that is consulting. You use your content to become a, a recognized expert and turn that into consulting work. Um, have you seen that with your content, Seb? Have you? Um, no. We've, <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I have listed this because uh, I see it as, a, as an option. I do have it in also in my... Uh, like strategy uh, at some point, but so it can be, again, a good income source at the beginning. Uh, I will definitely want some insights from Creston because uh, he does consulting a lot. Um, I don't, I have just no extra time um, because this is also sacrificing a time for a consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in exchange, you can get quite a good uh, additional income, so additional source of, of, of producing. And if you are in the niche market uh, or you have building the strong branding, uh, consulting can be really powerful because you can um, uh, set high prices for your hour uh, of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm building Hanami Master, even though I'm not in the core team, I still, I'm still building a strong uh, recognition in the community, in the uh, overall internet, that I know what I'm talking when it comes to Hanami uh, framework. Yeah. So there is a great chance that I will be able to sell my hours as a consulting services if I will wish to do it at any point. Um, but that is completely everything that I have to say. I have, I know a lot of people who does consulting, who do consulting, um, on their weekly basis. Um, and one of us is exactly this man. So, and um, Creston, <laughs> would you like to add something on, on, on to this? No, I mean, it's just recently happened that the majority of my revenues come from consulting and not my app. I mean, I kind of like it to be the other way, but just over time, constantly producing content, you have people that show up and, you know, it's not, they're not knocking down the door. It's not like barnstorming or whatever, but it's like, sure, I can help you with that. Sure. I can help you with, you know, so they just reach out and it, it just kind of has just grown slowly over the years, but it's definitely a way to earn some money. I'll, I'll say that. 
and that has come i mean you have got some, directly gotten some consulting gigs from your content from your other show right your postgres show right i mean it's not <clears throat> it's not as good a lead gen as i would as i expected early on what it is fantastic for is um validation so if someone contacts me and says hey i'm interested in postgres consulting or hey someone said that you do postgres consulting then say like, oh yeah i do postgres consulting and you know i have this thing that i've been the show i've been running for 5 years all about postgres and they're like holy cow so basically if they see that i've produced all this content there's they don't question do you really know what you're talking about really it's kind of assumed at that yeah. point so it's kind so of like a good, good produced, resume Right. So if you have produced, I mean, a book can do the same, you know, any type of content, a book, a regular show, uh, you know, years of blogging, that all demonstrates expertise. And that definitely helps someone um, decide to work with you. It's it's not too much of a question of whether you can do it. It's like, okay, well, they can do it. Question is, um, do I like working with them? Can I afford them? And things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not as significant a lead gen because I, I don't have people constantly breaking down my door saying, I want to work with you. I want to work. I want to work with you. It's not really that way. I mean, I bet if I structured things a little bit differently, maybe I could achieve that. But um, as it is right now, it's it's basically a trickle coming in. So again, it's, it is possible. So people look at your stuff or someone who has been following me. Here's what more often happens in terms of lead gen. Someone's been following me for months, a year, looking at my shows, and then some, something happens in their company or something new's coming up, and they say, and then they think of me and say, oh, you know, there's this guy, Creston Jameson, and he has the show. Maybe we should reach out to him and see if he could help with us with this project. So that's another way it can, mm -hmm. that's more often the way a Legion event happens. If I can ask something, mm -hmm. um, the thing that always bothered me in terms of consulting is the trade-off of safety versus uh, additional like increased income so you sacrifice the safety of the employer like the monthly salary uh, for um, random uh, maybe uh, stream of consulting work um, so it's natural that freelancers and consultants um, just um, say more for the hour of their consultation. Uh, and is do you have any kind of data metric with the percentage, like how it relates of being a freelancer or consultant in the maybe average, um, you know, uh, job like regular job on the same position like you, you mean like, like hourly the, the, rate type of thing yeah like, like, like hourly how if i'm a senior developer uh in ruby on rise with 10 years of experience and i'm uh what salary i can count for uh in a regular job versus what price i can uh, uh, uh set to myself for an hour when i'm a freelancer uh, do you have something like a percentage relationship uh, of this? Because the, the risk on the second option is way higher. 
Uh, so I'm really interested because this is this is also something that hold me away from consulting for years. No, I mean, well, so I've never really done that analysis. I, I mean, I probably should. Um, I just set my rate at a certain level that the market was could stand. And then I've just slowly inched it up as I've become more busy. Um, so, but I have never really done that analysis to see see what the difference is. And I kind of made the jump because I wanted to start my own software as a service product. So that would initially started this and I was hoping to grow that. But as I was waiting for that to happen, and it, I'm still waiting for that to happen to be very <laughs> successful. Um, I was like, okay, I got to do something to get some more money. So that, that's where the consulting came in. So it's not that I went from job to consulting. It was really job to, hey, I'm going to start a business, going to start a SaaS app, going to start a product. That was the plan. The consulting is just kind of like, okay, I need a little bit more money runway. And, you know, that's it's just kind of grown up. So now it's earning more revenue than the product right now. So we'll just, yeah. I mean, we'll see where it goes from here. But I never did that analysis of employee to consultant, unfortunately. So I can't really answer your question. Sorry about that. I will not be able to sleep without it. So I will do my own <laughs> research probably. Until there are some consultants that uh, watches this show, <laughs> say in the chat. Yeah, yeah. Leave a comment below if you've got some answers to that question, because I'd be kind of interested to know that. Although I think it kind of depends on the market and what you decide your, your worth on an hourly basis and what your cost of living is and that kind of stuff. So... Um... Because you got to remember when you're when you're hired at a company, they pay you a salary, but they also have a lot of other expenses involved with you, like you know insurance, other you know there, there's all kinds of other expenses besides just an employee's salary that go into that. So um, you know you have to think about that if you're going to go charge an hourly rate for consulting, because now you got to pay for that stuff. You know? Yeah, and as you if you increase your rate a lot, then, because that's the other thing to think about is that if you have a low rate, then there's a higher probability you're just constant, you can just constantly work and maybe you can work for the same group of consultants, excuse me, group of clients for a while because you have a relatively low rate. But if you start ratcheting your, ratcheting your rate up and go higher, well, now they're like, oh, a company is, well, I can't pay you, you know, it's this, these specific things we need you for. So I'm only going to pay, you know, your higher rate for these specific things. And otherwise I, you know, I'm not going to pay for you. So there's a whole balance. I mean, we could probably have a whole show on that, but. That's what I was just thinking. We ought to do a show yeah. on consulting. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a big, so I mean, maybe a couple next... shows. All right. So the next two, I kind of are kind of in my head are kind of a little bit together. That's premium content and membership programs. Because usually when I see membership programs, they're unlocking some kind of premium content. Um, so I know this is common for like, uh, you know, the video sites, um, like, you know, Hanami Mastery and, and um, Rails Go, and my brain is leaking right now, so I can't think of any, but I know that's kind of a common thing. Ruby. Yeah, exactly. Um, that go they on. will go rails. Yep, there you <laughs> go. Rails go. <laughs> I was I was close. 
It's been a, it's been a long week. Um, <laughs> uh, also, I'm me, so you know what are you gonna do? Um, but I know that's kind of a common way to to monetize some content, and it seems to go over well. It seems like a fair kind of a fair setup where I'll I'll give you some content, so you know the the beginner content. Uh, but if you want my advanced knowledge, you know I I have to charge for that. Um, do you see that as a as a good uh, and sustainable way to monetize the content? Um, the premium content is quite uh, broad because it also involves courses, and I started from Udemy course actually about Rise API, uh, which was huge motivation because of its success to start then uh, next initiatives and go more into the content creation. Uh, so premium content means also like releasing eBooks or, or books. Sometimes it, it is uh, about, yeah, in-depth like researches. Um, you can often find some uh, that offers that you will get a research, like how, mu how much developers earn in 2023, but in exchange, you give it the email. This is also a value. So this is also a premium content, you can say. Mm -hmm. um, the thing, what, how I see, like if I would be able to get sustain, sustainable from um, publishing free content only, and just only rely on the sponsorships, I would not even bother with um, with uh, publishing premium content. I would publish everything for free. Uh, the thing is that if you get, um, if you want to do more dig, do more deep research and produce more advanced content, um, it takes more time. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes way more time. Yeah. And in exchange, there is way less people that are interested in advanced content because reality is that there are much more junior beginners on the market than senior developers. So it makes just no sense to spend more time doing content for less people. Um, Unless you can and, charge them a significant premium. <laughs> so you can, you can just reach out to the junior, like to the juniors and make money on some like beginners courses or full depth, uh, like uh, full stack courses, like you know, complete guides courses, mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then juniors will pay for it low amount of money, but there are a lot of sales, which uh, makes it all, uh, uh, okay, uh, or you can do it the other way around. And the other way around is better for me from the like kind of philosophic sort of thing, mm -hmm. because um, senior developers earn way more than junior developers. Mm -hmm. So if I will s produce a premium content for senior developers, Usually, it makes no difference for them. Right. It makes no difference for me, at least, if I will pay five dollars or ten dollars for a um, for an access to the community or to the 
uh, access to the um, some premium content, advanced uh, guides, courses, and so on. And even if I will have some premium premium courses on Udemy or uh, in multiple places released as products, I will still include them in the package of um, of this premium membership to my community. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, by by paying monthly for the community, you can get uh, way more content that is not free uh, elsewhere. So yeah. Uh, for me, it just makes sense. Uh, if Junior will start and needs to learn a lot, but gets not much in exchange because the, the salary is low, for me, it makes sense to not charge for the content I'm producing. And this is why I'm producing a lot of free content. But if the proportions are uh, different, so mm -hmm. if... Uh, there are senior developers that are still interested in the advanced content, but it takes more time for me, but it makes not such big deal for them to pay for it. Uh, it is, yeah, you know, for me, it's a better way to do it this way. Yeah. Well, and I think too, because you had said well, when you sent me this, you were talking about that you had tried to, to kind of order these from the kind of easiest thing to get into into the more difficult things, right? And I think we're getting into a realm where um, you know, if I want to sell premium content, in most cases, I need to have proven my to to my audience that I'm worth paying for, right? So, I need to have some kind of track record that says, you know, either some some intro videos or some some basic level videos that says, yeah, I know how to teach this stuff and I know what I'm talking about. Now pay, you know, now you can pay for the advanced things, but it's not like you can just put a video out there and put it, put $10 on it and people are going to come flocking to it. You have to have some audience first for that, I think. Well, this is why I split it up to membership program and because this is uh, what, what you say about with this barrier. Mm -hmm. But the premium content, it's still high on the list. It's the fifth position, but I actually started from it. I released Udemy course. I, I, recorded that under my towel for eight months. <laughs> um, but I released that and it started um, getting sold, um, get, um, being sold. And I did nothing really. Udemy did all the work mm. and I paid like huge percentage, like 50 to 75% uh, of uh, the price. And the price was like $9 uh, at the beginning. Um, but in exchange, my, the people who bought my course actually started becoming my audience because I got the access to the, um, like, like the email communications with them mm -hmm. and I started getting questions. So I got ideas how to improve and what new um, content, what, what new modules, what new lessons I could add to the, to the course. And when I released this uh, course, I started with a blog publishing articles as a responses to the um, students' questions. So if I got like, okay, there is an interesting topic, but I don't want to record video about it, I will publish article as a completion. Mm -hmm. And this got really cool traffic um, because it responded for the direct need of the community. So I had like a cool insight. Uh, and it's, so, so it's really possible 
to publish and sell content without having an audience. And that was extremely big surprise to me. I didn't believe in it, uh, but I just uh, wanted to, to, to check and it was, it was uh, really good. Cool. So that was the, the, this uh, in my step. But if you want to go with the membership program, you either need to have like a good network um, of contacts. So you spread the word and everyone will register um, or you need to have your own audience your own um, kind of traffic on your website. Uh, but numbers still are surprising. Yeah. Um, hey, mean, Sire, welcome I mean, back. Uh, go ahead, Seb. Sorry, um, about the membership program. It, uh, I was hesitated to start it, like Hanami Master Pro. Uh, I really had, was in doubt that anyone will by it with the amount of traffic that I generated. Um, mm. But I consulted that with uh, uh, Charles, Charles Maxwood, I guess, from, uh, yeah, from uh, Ruby Logis podcast. And he just asked me for, for the actual numbers, how, traf how much traffic I uh, generate. Um, and I told him like it was around 3000 views per month. And he said, yeah, it's fair enough. You can already start, and I bet that some people will want to uh, will want to uh, pay for the premium access. And I was like, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I I did it. It took me a while, but I did it. And I guess I was surprised people actually wanted to support me for free on GitHub sponsors. So why they should not want to join to the um, premium community access, right? With some additional content. And that was, again, mind blowing for me. It's not much, but it's still another way of income, even without the huge audience. Cool. Yeah. So I think, I think the, the takeaway there is don't think that this stuff is too hard to do. Try it. You, you might be surprised at the results. Um, so webinars. Let's talk about webinars. That's um, something I could probably do if I knew anything because I'm so used to streaming and stuff. But um, how do you monetize that that kind of stuff? Well, now we are entering the uh, the realm of unknown for me. Uh, we actually reach out to the, the level where I have no experience with and uh, everything we will uh, discuss from now on is kind of like my experience from talking with other people or reading uh, books, articles, courses, uh, like preparing the strategy, but this is the object for the future for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's, uh, let's start and chat with some fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know that webinars, like, like it, the last company I was at, we would, we would do webinars and stuff, um, for our customers. And we had a set that was just, you know, like once a month you could get on there and watch our monthly webinar on a certain topic. But we also had, you know, one that was a, a paid version, like a premium, um, customer version. So, you know, it can be done, but I think if you're going to do webinars, they, they have to be a topic. And they have to be uh, something that I'm really interested in 
coming to. And I, th my, my thought would be that webinars are going to take a lot more marketing effort than the other things we've talked about so far to, to make any real gains out of them because, because they are, um, live. So you've got limited window of opportunity to monetize them really. Uh, yeah, so if you have the audience um, and you have something to sell, like anything from what we um, talked about before, um, hosting a webinar for free is a good stream of income, could be a good stream of income because this is a selling channel, right? Mm -hmm. If you can promote in social media, if you have strategy for this, um, you can just... Uh, explain to people why it's important uh, to what, what value your product gives or your service gives. And I see that like all the time, even uh, the Semaphore company started hosting webinars for technical content writing, educating people how to write cool content online for technical communities which is which i am exactly target for but what they also do is they offer guest blogging paid guest blogging so they give you a webinar and a ton of knowledge how to write better content for free to engage you to write content for them and they pay for it even right mm -hmm. so it's for you it's like double value and for yeah. them is the higher chance that people will want to write better content for, for their blogs. Mm. So there are direct and indirect incomes and direct and indirect um, benefits. Um, but webinars, I, at least I see them as kind of um, educating your audience and, um, and indirectly get the income later or just at the end of the webinar, just sell or try to offer your product. In yeah. my approach, in my Hanami mastery, it would be that there is Anisha in Ruby community. A lot of people do not know anything about Hanami. So hosting webinars to talk with audience and talk about Hanami and explain them why this is cool could result with more people reaching out to my blog and reaching out my pro subscriptions, for example. Right. And I think of the things on this list, um, webinars has a, a, a unique benefit that the other ones don't have. And that is the reason that I love doing these live shows is the ability to interact in real time with the audience and have more focused conversations and better relationship building with the people in the audience. Um, you can't get that with pre-recorded videos. And I'm not saying pre-recorded videos are bad. I'm just saying this is a, a unique benefit that things like webinars have that the other things don't. Um, and since selling is all about building relationships, really, um, you know, that's, that's a and good value. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and I've actually used webinars, um, to sell a product. So for example, I produced a course called Discover Ansible. So about the Ansible, um, can't think of the term, 
basically a DevOps platform to provision servers and whatnot and configure servers. And the launch of the course, I did a webinar, you know, so I just said, hey, come learn about Ansible. And at the end, basically, if you want to continue your learnings, there's this courses available. And, you know, so it was this whole launch process for people who have training courses. So I've, I've done that. So I've used it for that purpose. I've also heard of other people using it as you can directly monetize a webinar if you're there basically being in a consultant, like a, you know, invite, well, I don't know, invite only, but a very small group of people you have to charge to be there. Well, presumably you are someone who has significant expertise and you can answer their questions and it's just like a group consulting session. That's another way I've, I've heard webinars working. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. And, uh, oh man, we are, we are running up on our hour here. We've got a, a few things to go. So Seb, why don't, why don't we do this? Uh, pick one more topic that you're most interested in talking about. And let's pull that one out and, and talk about it. Okay, so uh, then the cool next thing for me definitely is kind of like a merchandise. Ah. Um, but this is this is a late late game stuff. When yeah. your uh, your content creation uh, goes viral um, and you are building a great audience, um, the cool thing to monetize um, further giving even more value is to uh, open just an online shop related to what you are doing. Um, there are, of course, different things like SaaS um, services, like, like you can build products like software as a service related, but there, there are like, like a lot of things. And the, the really, you, you need to be creative and yeah. you, you can monetize the content, whatever you want. There are just many ways, and this is why I wanted to um sh uh, like show in this talk uh, i don't have experience with anything but definitely something that is really interesting for me is the merchandise for the late game i'm not sure how i will do it but probably i will somehow and even recently like a month ago i i watched a video from kurz uh, in a nutshell um, mm -hmm. the famous uh, YouTube channel uh, explaining a lot of difficult topics in cartoon style mm -hmm. of things. And they explained how they earn uh, and they actually make up for a living for a con free content publication. And online shop, the merchandise, was uh, a big, big, the biggest chunk of their income. Uh, allowing them to stay on the market, even though they have like a 60 people uh, employed in the company. Yeah, well, and I, I think you're right. That is kind of a later game thing because we actually have merch, but we don't, the only person that's ever bought any of our merch is me um, because we don't, you know, we don't have enough audience to to sell that stuff. Um, it is it is actually very easy to set up. There are plenty of shops out there where you can set up merch with your logo and all that kind of stuff really simply. Um, but actually selling it is is a bit of a trick um, because, like you said, you it's a little bit later game. I think you got to have some audience, and you have to have some some uh, 
recognition or people aren't going to want to wear your logo on their shirt. Right? Yes, but there is also something hidden uh, that is very important. Uh, you have a merchandise, but you told me before that it's tough for you to reach out to companies and sell something on the show or directly by reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. And if you will have a merchandise, uh, you know, it's a selling uh, skill that you should have already in place because running a shop is a cost. Yeah. Um, so better to actually make use of the previous points that we discussed and try to learn how to sell and overcome your uh, psychological uh, blockades uh, before you're open a shop, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> because exactly. even if you have a small audience, so oh, for example, me, I, I do have um, small audience and on my videos, I do say that I encourage people to sponsor my work on GitHub sponsorships um, or join to Hanami Master Pro. So this is like maybe not very, um, aggressive but still this is a direct call uh, mm -hmm. to support my channel and this is of course not something i like to do and um, i would love to not say about it but i have so low audience and that i um yeah and i'm learning how to sell stuff so um i need to get this income somehow and i need to um inform people that I'm just starting and I need support to, <laughs> to actually grow. So, um, even if this is not convenient, I am getting used to it. So mm -hmm. for the later game, when I will at some point in the future, have a merchandise, uh, related to this brand or, or any other brand that I will create in the future, um, still, I will have some skills built in and blockades overcome. And I think, I think this is really important. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think. Through all of this, um, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier and you've, you've kind of bookended it here is selling and marketing is a skill and you have to practice it just like you do programming. Uh, and it's, it's not easy, especially for um, people who are typically introverted. Um, and that's, that's most developers that I've run into. Um, so that is a big hurdle. I, all of these things that we've talked about, you can do, but you have to go out and get them. They aren't just going to fly in your door. But there is a tip for any people uh, that that really selling is not their uh, thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that um, selling gurus will say you need to go out and sell, uh, but there is the other way. Uh, which involves different kind of risk. And this is uh, starting a business or the project with someone who has the skills that you lack for. Yep. And Hanami Mastery is a good example because I'm not a native English speaker and recording video audio for videos is a big, big hassle for me. Mm, so I paired with person who actually got the education in English and um, uh, this is a professional lector and he is totally extroverted 
and doing any kind of like uh, voice modulation and fun with work is not uh, anything hard for him. So it just makes my running my business way easier. Mm-hmm. So best best regards to Alex. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate uh, having him in, in the team. And um, so because lack of skills I have um, and some also obstacles that I don't want to overcome because I just don't like those activities, uh, I do pair with other people and mm-hmm. I ask for help. Yeah. Well, maybe that's our problem, Creston. One of us needs to become an extrovert, not it. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, Seb, we're up on our time, but I thank you for joining us. That was a, that was actually a fun conversation and, and very informative. So I appreciate you taking the time to put this stuff together for us and, and come on and join us here. Uh, it's always great to have you on the show. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, so, um, yeah, Sire, uh, thanks chat for being with us. I hope that, uh, you guys enjoyed this and you get something out of it. Um, we will of course, uh, be back next Thursday. Oh, exciting announcement for next Thursday. That's the beginning of June. That's June 1st. And that kicks off, uh, Dragon Ruby month. Um, every show next month is going to be about Dragon Ruby, about Ruby game dev. Uh, we've got some some really cool guests coming on to talk about that stuff and talk about some really cool things like Dragon Ruby with robotics and all kinds and you know all kinds of neat cool stuff. Um, and then we're gonna cap off the the uh, the month with a panel party uh, show on the 29th. So um, you know make sure you join us for that and and follow us on Twitter at Ducky Dev Show. I'll be putting out lists of who's coming. Uh, you can also join our Discord and get that information. Um, make sure you go to rubberduckdevshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, and you can also see all of our uh, past shows there and listen to our um, uh, podcasts in audio form. Uh, you can also hear those anywhere that podcasts live, your favorite podcast provider. I think we've got them all covered now. Um, and that's about it. Make sure you give us a, a thumbs up, like, subscribe. Uh, and make sure you check out Seb's content for devs. It's a really good show. He and Feta do a really good job talking about the stuff that's all about, uh, dev content creation things. So go check that out. Um, thanks for the shout out and invitation. That was awesome. As always. Yep. All right. So we will see you guys. Uh, I will see you next Tuesday on Coding with Chris, and then we'll see you next Thursday to kick off uh, Dragon Ruby Week. See you then, and until then, happy coding. Happy coding. Bye.